From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Oh yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you. This is Mike. This is the Mike Davidson Lives podcast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. As I chat with you here for about half an hour, uh, kind of a weird week for me because uh, it's a holiday week for me, basically. I've got the week off, uh, off till Tuesday from work. Everything's kind of on a one-day delay since getting back from Illinois, and uh, it's been a struggle, really. Um, just because uh, if it isn't one thing, it's another. It just seems like, if not me, somebody is putting up with some ailment. I've had a cough for like the last two weeks. think that's gone finally, but uh, my mom's dealing with the complications of her uh, new medication. Uh, my eldest daughter's got pink eyes, so... Uh, the trip planned for Martinsville, going down to southern Indiana, not happening this time around. And then uh, I've been dealing with an earache of all damn things, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. I haven't had an earache really since, uh, shit, at 10, 11? Uh, that's finally going away, but that really, really took a lot out of me. And then uh, earlier this, uh, today, I went to the splash pad with the kids. Girls loved it. Boy, uh, he was being mopey, and he didn't want to go out and play. He hid in the shade, and then when it was time to go, picked him up and uh, wrenched my back. So I've been in nothing but a great mood today uh, because of the bad back. Uh, but uh, been medicating, been taking uh, you know ice packs to the back, doing what I can to get through that. And maybe, just maybe, before I go back to work Tuesday, uh, I can enjoy a moment of non-pain. Uh, of course, uh, Joe, as a Thursday, June 1st, was uh, the start of Pride Month, uh, where uh, all the companies pretend to be gay for about a month, and then uh, once July rolls around, they uh, they put on the American bandana and the mullet and say, hell yeah, and light off fireworks. Uh, it's just a corporate pandering. And, and this year especially, uh, pretty controversial in some aspects, especially with Bud Light and uh, Target's feeling the heat. Uh, I'm not sure if some companies are going to scale back or go uh, hardcore gay. I, I mean, I don't even know. Uh, it's just kind of uh, what, what their customer base will tolerate, I guess. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see if uh, some businesses, uh, you know, keep their base this year or not, just because there's a little more outrage. But this I had to roll my eyes at. And if you're a pet owner, you would as well, because uh, PetSmart, uh, of all companies, has gay pride clothing for your pets. And I've said this before. I, and Look, do dogs, cats, whatever, if, if the mood strikes them, they don't care what they're humping. They're going to get down what needs to be done, okay? Um, but I am a fervent believer. I don't care where you stand on anything. Dogs and cats, the only thing they need to be wearing, collars. They are meant to be naked. So when I see a dog or a cat in anything, if I see a dog at a Christmas card wearing a Christmas sweater, I think it's a terrorist situation. I just, I just, why are you making any sort of clothing for an animal? Please stop. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you want to get the rainbow leash uh, for, for your dog, that's one thing. But just, just stop with getting any sort of clothing whatsoever. My sister used to get clothes for her dog, and I felt sorry for the poor bastard. I just, just stop, please. Just let your pet have a little dignity, because God knows dogs and cats don't find it on their own. Oh, uh, speaking of lack of dignity, um, 
Well, this is kind of some good news, bad news for Disney. Uh, good news if you're uh, a fan of good movies and you hap just happen to have Disney+. Plus. Uh, the Indiana Jones movies have dropped on that platform. We're talking Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, uh, Last Crusade, and that really shitty one with the CGI and Shia LaBeouf that no one will watch. But the other three you'll watch. But I think it's basically to get everybody stoked for uh, Dial of Destiny, which comes out at the end of June. And I think this might actually backfire on Disney um, because the first three Indiana Jones movies are pretty damn solid. I was watching Raiders of the Lost Ark tonight and just what a masterpiece of an action film. It might be the best action movie of all time. I mean, they, they made a stunt spectacular at Disney uh, years before they bought Lucas Lucasfilm. And it, it, it's just incredible stuff. You can't replicate that with CGI. You can't replicate a late 30s, early 40s Harrison Ford with a CGI 80-year-old Harrison Ford. Uh, you can't do that with Kathleen Kennedy at the helm uh, directing James Mangold to direct. You know, you, if you don't have Spielberg, you don't have Lucas, you don't have anything. Of course, they were there for Crystal Skull, and they're past their prime on that. But I think, I think people are going to look at these old Indiana Jones movies... And when this newer one comes out, uh, gets closer and closer, they're going to be like, well, how the hell is this even going to come close? Because a lot of that stuff was done with, like, stunt coordinators and great cinematography and, and all that other good stuff. It's just, it's going to be very hard to get people stoked about a movie that you will forget about in six months' time. Especially with movies that are about damn near... They are actually over 40 years old. It's nuts to think about. And here's the other thing, too. Harrison Ford is actually older than Joe Biden, uh, our current president, who fell down at, on stage, I think, earlier today. And uh, Harrison Ford broke his leg on the set of this new Indiana Jones movie. Is anybody really excited to see this? I know I'm not. Mm. By the way, uh, something humorous. I uh, saw this yesterday. Uh, Disney, because uh, it's uh, Emmy nomination season, and they'll announce the Emmy nominations, I don't know, but this is when they start submitting nominations for shows, and they'll do best guest appearance on a show, and Disney has uh, submitted Ahmed Best, Jack Black, and Lizzo for their appearance uh, on Mandalorian for uh, you know, best guest appearances, uh, more on Lizzo here in a minute, but uh, yeah, no, the, those were jokes on a really shitty season of The Mandalorian, and basically it's uh, that show's jumped the shark. But but there are people there at Disney that actually think that these are great performances and uh, that these are fun performances and that these performances are going to build up their streaming numbers. If anything, it probably uh, drove, uh, drove viewers away, and they're going around sending out nominations for anybody that's breathed on the set of The Mandalorian. No. Yeah, I, I doubt very much that any of these uh, guest appearances are going to get uh, any sort of nomination whatsoever. All right, so I've got some music and other movie news here. Uh, one story I wanted to get to that I forgot to last podcast is that Queen's catalog is killer. I mean, if, if you know anything about Freddie Mercury and the boys, you know that they've got a pretty stellar uh just a whole bunch of songs uh but it, apparently here at the end of the month it's looking to sell for a 1.1 billion with a damn b dollars uh 
uh, to universal music. That's uh, what's being uh, bandied about here. What's interesting about this, though, uh, this portion of the catalog that's being sold are the North American rights. Basically, uh, well, anything like Canada and the United States. Uh, the Freddie Mercury estate, uh, Roger Taylor, uh, Brian May, and the other guy whose name I'm forgetting. Uh, the actual members of Queen own the rights to all their songs outside of the United States and Canada, which is amazing to me. Uh, that would imply that uh, these guys are never, ever, ever, ever going to be broke if it's going for this much in just two countries. But uh, the pe the people that own uh, the Queen catalog here in the United States and Canada is Disney. And you can't tell me that this isn't part of the restructuring of Bob Iger where they're trying to squeeze every penny they can, get rid of any property they can to turn over a buck. Especially with uh, some of the other controversies going on with um, with Disney right now. So they're looking to unload Queen's catalog for a billion dollars. And everybody was fainting and fawning over Bruce Springsteen, who's also fallen on stage, by the way. Uh, when his catalog sold for like a half a billion dollars not too long ago. But Queen, just in two countries, worth a billion damn dollars. And the bandmates get still keep a good chunk of that um, ownership elsewhere. Not bad. Uh, speaking of foreign countries, Quentin Tarantino apparently has had enough of other foreign countries. Uh, he went on another Tarantino rant. Not, not that he's turned into Ted Nugent or anything like that. Uh, but he's talking about how a lot of Australian and English actors will uh, fake an American act or, uh, accent um, to get uh, get roles. And he says, I want my culture reflected back upon me. This is the same guy that uh, casted Australian Margot Robbie as uh, Sharon Tate in his last movie, or one of his last movies. He's saying this. I mean, there's, there's some truth to that. Yeah, you kind of want somebody that... Uh, may or may not have come from where you came from to make a movie more relatable. But I always say uh, the, the, the role should go to the best actor. I really don't care where they're from. Uh, I think he's just trying to make a mountain out of a molehill here. And I'm not sure why he's doing this. He's doing certainly better than anybody from the, the American Pie movies. You see that Jason Biggs and uh, uh, the guy who played Stifler. They're in the new uh, DoorDash commercials uh, selling food. And they're basically, oh, it's the best summer ever, uh, American Pie. Remember that movie? Remember when we thought we were going to be something? I think the only person from that cast that really went on to do anything was uh, the redhead band geek chick. She went on to do Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, How I Met Your Mother. So she had a pretty decent career. Everybody else just kind of languished. Uh, I knew somebody who knew somebody who dated Jason Biggs uh, for a while and... Uh, yeah, when the when the pie uh, movies were going around, he thought he was big stuff, and now here he is selling uh, DoorDash bullcrap. Makes you wonder if Kevin Smith's going to start directing the Uber Eat commercials, him and Jay and Silent Bob and all the original things he's been doing as of late. All right, I have to talk about this um, because I am a music fan, and I'm sure you're a music fan. You've got your favorite bands, but what is the line for you? when it comes to seeing a band live. 
Um, to me, the the only line I've got anymore, it's it's twofold. One, can I afford to go see him? Can I afford the tickets? And two, I'm not going to get wasted or stoned or anything to go see them. I want to remember the show because, damn it, I'm I'm getting older, and uh, I uh, I need to remember something about all the money you plopped down. Let alone remember where I parked. This whole era's tour with Taylor Swift. I mean, it's uh, it's all media can talk about. It's doing well. People are. Uh, basically remortgaging in their houses to uh, to go see her she makes these two three night stands in uh, big cities people go see them people uh try to hide in the parking lots to hear her sing even though they're not really at the show or in the show they're just it's um it's kind of like that one episode of the simpsons where uh, homer simpson's in aa and he admits to everybody that he was so desperate for a beer that after a football game or a baseball game uh, he ran under the bleachers and tried to lick the sand to get just a taste of beer. That's that's uh, what Heidi got in the parking lot to hear uh, ambient Taylor Swift music sounds like to me. Some of these desperate fans. But those stories alone, that, that story alone doesn't tell the tale of how desperate Taylor Swift fans are. And it's kind of concerning to me. Uh, it's um, cult-like almost. Uh, some uh, have talked about this phenomenon of having post-show amnesia. Basically, after going to the show, they don't remember anything. And allegedly, this has nothing to do with beer or marijuana or or anything that makes a show more fun. They just don't remember. Like, they're so euphoric, they don't remember how they got home. They're just, they're just uh, starstruck that they were in the same zip code as Taylor Swift. And then uh, this troubling video going around, and uh, this, I guess there's more than just one. There are women who are so gung-ho about seeing the entire Taylor Swift show that they are go. These aren't elderly women. These aren't disabled women. These are uh, women that apparently have uh, nine-to-five jobs. They're, they're youth, uh, fully capable I guess they're putting on adult diapers just to go see the show. They would rather piss and crap themselves than go find the facilities at this show because they want to see as much of Taylor Swift as possible. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. There is no band on the planet. There is no performer on the planet that I would do this for. I mean... I might cut back on concessions to avoid bathroom breaks. I might go before the show starts, but I'm not going to put on an adult diaper and uh, and be clown myself just to see this. And it's kind of troubling because you know what's the what's the image that Taylor Swift puts out that she is a you know this strong independent feminist. She's taking a stand. She's sticking it to the man. And here she has an audience of mostly women who are so enthralled with her, so beholden to her, that they would sacrifice their own dignity and independence just to see her do what she does. I'm sorry. There, Like I said, there's no band on the planet. There is no performer on the planet that I would do this for. 
and it makes me question a few things. I mean, it just it seems kind of cultish. Uh, I'm not saying that Taylor Swift is a cult leader, not by any stretch of the imagination, but just the way that the media has built her up, though. She's almost like a deity. And again, a lot of these female uh, listeners, these female fans, uh, whom she's supposed to inspire, some of them aren't acting very dignified. And maybe I could put this into your head if you're uh, a fan of another musician or another band. If you're having to do this stuff just to see this person perform, maybe you need to start asking yourself some hard questions like, does my life need better focus? I don't know. But those are just some of the stories, and I do have some of this linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Okay, so getting back to Lizzo. I'll say this about her. She is a very talented singer, uh, crappy actress, not not at all worthy of an Emmy, uh, Disney. You might want to walk that back, but uh, she's very high on her body image, and I'm not sure that's a good thing. Um, but she she's always flaunting the fact that she's a bigger girl, and there's nothing wrong with her being a bigger girl. But she seems adamant about not wanting to lose weight because that'd be a sellout move. And she pays too much attention to these haters that keep making fat jokes about her, saying, hey, if you keep doing this, I want to quit music. And I'm thinking, well, you can't really do that because, well, you're going to need the money for the medical issues you're going to encounter later on down the road. Somebody in her circle really needs to tell her, hey, look, we're not asking you to become Kate Moss here. You don't have to be wafer thin, but you need to lose some weight just for the sake of your back, the sake of your knees. You're a performer. You go on stage every night. You sing. This will help you become a better performer. This will help you feel better in the long run if you just lose a little weight. But no one is telling her that. And everybody is cool with her being healthy by embracing this. And it's just, it's, uh, it's a bad road to go down. But again, uh, it's the music industry. So I don't expect anybody reasonable to be around anyone at this point. Um, but that story's floating around, and I'm just kind of rolling my eyes going, well, you're doubling down on this, you're doubling down on this. You're not going to get rid of the trolls on uh, on Facebook and Twitter there, Lizzo. Uh, you might as well just start thinking, okay, what's best for me? What's best for my health in the long run? And who knows, if you knock off a few pounds, your career might become even longer. But I am but a simple caveman lawyer here. All right. John Cleese, legend, just a comedic legend, uh, Monty Python, of course, and uh, he wants to do a Broadway version of Life of Brian, which uh, pokes fun out of organized religion, and uh, it takes place during the uh, the times of Christ. It's a funny-ass movie, love it, but it's causing controversy, uh, not amongst Christians this time. Oh, no, uh, it's among the woke because there is... Um, there is a part in the, the movie, I think Eric Idle did it, where like, uh, he talks about how he's a woman and he wants to give birth and wants that to be possible and it's making everybody in the room uncomfortable, but it's so funny and outlandish, it's it just works, because it's Monty Python. He wants to put all of it into a Broadway show, and apparently uh, he's talked about how he had a meeting recently with actors saying, you need to cut this part, you need to cut this part. 
and these actors who are all about art and uh, fighting censorship. You need to cut this part from this play that you are producing. You know, it, it may come as a shock to some of these actors here. Um, I hope they're sitting down for this one. You don't have to star in the play. You don't have to like the play. You don't have to like Life of Brian, for Christ's sake. But it is what it is, and if one of the guys behind the movie wants to make the Broadway play, he's going to do it. Can you imagine, um, I have not seen the producer's Broadway show, but uh, some of the flack that Mel Brooks would uh, get today if he's like, yeah, I want to do a, a play about springtime for Hitler in Germany. A guy wants to put that on, and some of the musical numbers in that. Uh People would think he's out of his mind. Of course, it's Mel Brooks. He's got some clout. He's got a little more clout, I would think, here stateside than Monty Python. But today, I think he would encounter more pushback on that stuff. Um, you know, John Cleese here, it's just, it's one joke. It's not even the crux of the show. And people are like, cut it. No, don't. And he's not. So good for him. Um, people need to... Uh, just shut up about this stuff. I mean, who cares what what Broadway actors and actresses think? What does the audience think? Will it bring people in? Will it entertain? Will it make people laugh? If it does that, then, you know, more power to John. So uh, we'll see if that happens or not. Um, by the way, a quick update about San Francisco. And uh, what a great city that is. Uh, this story, uh, it's kind of funny, it's kind of sad, because it does involve a pet. Um, I'm not sure if this pet was wearing a gay pride shirt or not, uh, but this dog got really sick, because the owner uh, took her dog out into a park in San Francisco, walking the dog around, and she noticed that the dog was eating something. It turned out to be feces. Human feces. And the dog got sick, they took the dog to the vet, and apparently... This, uh, this log of human feces the dog was nibbling on was laced, well, it wasn't laced, it was pretty much uh, caked with uh, <laughs> pot and opioids. So somebody was shooting up in the park, getting high, dropped a deuce, this dog ate the deuce, and uh, it got sick. Thankfully, the dog was, uh, this, is, this is kind of the funny, not funny part of the story. The dog was healthy enough not to have Narcan administered. Do you imagine... We've gotten to the point in uh, society where we're uh, thinking about administering Narcan to a dog because uh, we've become too tolerant of homeless drug addicts in the parks. Uh, but they said that if uh, the dog consumed enough of this feces or, uh, or opioids or whatever the hell, uh, that this could cause liver and kidney problems in the dog. And, and again, this is what happens when you tolerate every possible behavior out there if you don't do things uh, because I got news for you there is no safe way to shoot heroin I don't care how many clean needles you provide how much Narcan is available out there uh, how many safe spaces are out there if if people are still shooting up in your parks uh, it's still not safe uh, you could still step on a needle or you could be like this dog and uh, you know almost die uh, but that story is linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. And I am I'm kind of curious as to uh, uh, who this uh, owner of the dog voted for. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure about her politics, but uh, seeing how it's a one-party town, I can kind of guess uh, as to what that might be. But things are great in San Francisco or something. All right, uh, a couple of sports stories before I call it a night. 
Uh, Pat McAfee, one of the big stories from last week, signed a four-year deal with ESPN. I think it's somewhere north of $80 million. He's excited. He's stoked. Uh, but I have my reservations. But I guess he said in, uh, in somebody else's podcast recently, he was kind of uh, taken aback by some of the reactions, saying, you know, some people were congratulating me and some other people weren't. And they were kind of negative. Now, I can't be negative about Pat because he is a former Indianapolis Colt, and he's a very entertaining dude, and I'm glad he's having the success that he's having. But I honestly think that this dude could be a hell of a lot better without ESPN. Remember, Pat McAfee's obtained success uh, post-football career by being Pat McAfee. Uh, ESPN is not successful because all ESPN anchors are basically the same. About 98% of them are the same. They think the same. They act the same. Uh, Pat McAfee just kind of goes to the beat of his own drum. He's not. I wouldn't say he's a very woke guy or politically correct guy. Uh, I'm not saying like, uh, you know, he's. Uh, I'm not saying like he's the Ted Nugent of uh, broadcasting here, but uh, he's going to encounter some um, some obstacles. Let me put it to you this way: because ESPN has a worldview, and Pat McAfee may not share in that worldview. I mean, they're giving him a nice chunk of money. They say they see an opportunity, but uh, they also are giving him this nice chunk of money uh, so that he will not say no to them. And that's that's the thing. When somebody signs your check, there's an expectation, and I'm wondering what the expectation ESPN has of Pat McAfee. Are they really expecting him to do the show that he's always been doing, or are they going to kind of guide him into this worldview? Which has done so well for them ratings-wise, as of late. Well, he's certainly better than a lot of their pundits and uh, Fox Sports 1 pundits. Um, oh, by the way, one of the big stories... Well, I don't even know if it's a big story because I saw this like a day later and I don't watch the show. But uh, Shannon Sharp has agreed to a buyout. Uh, he is leaving Undisputed. He will no longer co co-host the show with Skip Bayless. Uh, because they've been butting heads and everything, and uh, it, it got worse after the whole DeMar Hamlin thing. Uh, that, and uh, Shannon Sharp likes to cup LeBron James's balls. But but I've said this before about uh, about the, uh, the uh, arguing sports jock show, sports writer show. It's basically male view, and it really doesn't contribute a whole lot to society. And uh, with the death of Jerry Springer, I brought this up. I think Joy Behar and Skip Bayless have done worse uh, to American pop culture than Jerry Springer did because at least at least with that show, you kind of just shook your head and you went, okay, this is either fake or they're white trash. I'm not going to become like any of these people on stage. Shannon Sharp, uh, very strongly opinionated, as was Skip Bayless, but uh, you know, I don't know what he's going to do. But it's, it's one of those things like if... Uh, Tree falls on a bear crapping in the woods doesn't make a roar. And uh, I really don't think this makes a roar. It's just one less squawking voice on uh, daytime television about sports. Uh, and you'll find quite a few of those squawking voices still. And Skip Bayless, unfortunately, is not going to go away. They're just going to find somebody else for him to piss off. And uh, that show's going to rumble on. And we're going to still get the Skip Bayless opinions. <sighs> Yeah, those, those shows are the worst because the unemployed 
watch those shows. All right, finally, kind of a bitter story here, and this will wrap it up on another sports podcast. But Scottie Pippen, him and Michael Jordan, they uh, they don't like each other. Uh, Scotty hates Mikey more than anything, and it's kind of weird considering how much success the two had together. Uh, but I guess in a recent podcast, he was talking about how like uh, Michael Jordan was uh, was uh, a horrible teammate and a horrible basketball player. He goes, he, everybody forgets before I got there, uh, MJ wasn't all that great. Now you know everybody's talking about how he's the best ever. And he's throwing shade at Michael Jordan because he thinks LeBron James is better than MJ, which is... Uh, you know, stupid to say. You know, I, I kind of get Scotty's point about maybe Michael Jordan being a horrible teammate in the fact that Michael Jordan was very, very competitive, very, you know, and of course, high on himself, big ego. I can see that. A type A1 personality being around that type of person uh, for very long, yeah, it's going to wear on you a little bit, and you're wondering when this person's going to pump the brakes. But at the same time, to say this dude... Uh, who, when you were a teammate with, was 6-for-6 six six upon going to the NBA Finals. You're saying this guy sucked as a player. That's uh, complete crap, especially when uh, he was gone for a year and a half and you didn't go to any Finals. Like, your success was basically tied with Michael Jordan's. Sorry, Scotty, to say he's the worst player ever or a horrible player... Uh, it's, it's laid it on a little thick. Maybe, maybe you and, uh, Isaiah Thomas, you need to start going to group therapy or something. I don't know. That's just, it, like I said, like, I can understand him not being a, the best teammate at times, but, uh, worst horrible player, come on. Alright, uh, with that all said and done, and there's always gonna be more to talk about later. You stay fresh. Cheese bags. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 